When you have gone through things, you can kind of tell who's also gone through something similar. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot. You kind of know the tells. But I think also in creating and songwriting and composing, you are kind of digging in to tell your story. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today to listen. I am so grateful that you decided to pick this episode because you could pick any episode or any podcast out there because there definitely are allowed out there. But I feel that when things happen, for a reason, reason that you click a certain episode or you decide to open a certain page in a book, it's for a reason. And I do hope that you see that after you listen to today's episode. Today, we have Hope Litwin on the uh, episode, and she is a composer, a singer, a multi-instrumentalist and producer. She has uh, written for studio, on stage, for performing live, all these different titles, which I actually wrote. I was just telling Hope, I wrote it on my notebook, yet I don't understand my own writing as I'm writing, <laughs> reading it. <laughs> so all the titles that I'm saying, I'm sure she'll be able to clarify in just a little bit. So Hope and I connected because she was actually interviewed by my brother, Daniel Rinaldi, on his podcast called One Planet Music. And my brother said she was looking for a podcast to be able to share her new song, which is called Hollow. And it is an exploration of how childhood trauma affects us once it is triggered and awakened later in life. And so she wrote a little little pitch, as I quick call. Is that right, Hope? You wrote a little pitch. to uh, You emailed yeah. me with a pitch. She wrote all these things. I'm like, I'm in. So these, this, these are the two topics we'll be exploring today as we interview. We'll be talking about how songwriting can be used as a tool for processing grief. And we will also um, talk about how music can be a portal to a deeper connection with self. So I am excited to learn with you all as I'm talking for the first time with Hope. Welcome, Hope. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, okay, so Hope, now, since I just like completely butchered your introduction, so oh, tell me, <laughs> I'm trying to read my own writing. So tell us a little bit more about what it is you do as a musician. You know, I think it's like, what I do is confusing. So I think that's it. Like, I think you're probably reading your writing and your writing is probably beautiful, but you're probably like, this makes no sense. No, and no, that's, no, no, no. that's, I think that's the correct response because I think what I'm doing, not, not to, not to act like, Oh, no one's ever done this before or anything. But I think like the things that I'm trying to combine, I don't think people have combined before quite in this way. So it's always been a little bit of a challenge for me to kind of describe exactly what I do. And uh, I think it's becoming more and more clear as I make more work too. Part of it is just like amassing a lot of work. But um, I am trained as a composer and was trained as a classical singer. Uh, so I, even though I didn't start my musical journey there, I went through the conservatory world. But before that, I was a, a professional dancer in a ballet company and was a singer-songwriter, and then went to conservatory, and then decided that I wanted to learn how to produce my own music, because I was tired of not having the the say and everything. I think I'm a slight control freak. So <laughs> I realized if you, know, if you have something you want to say the way you want to say it, then you got to figure out how to do it yourself. So mm -hmm. I did my master's in um, basically music production for film and television, but it was very like music production heavy. And uh, since then, I've been out um, a couple years and I've been, well, I was touring and composing and 
performing before COVID hit. But then when COVID hit, I came back to Chicago where my family is and uh, I built up a home studio and I started making like producing work from home, but also began teaching from my studio, teaching other people how to write songs and produce their own music. And um, because I have a very strong um, spiritual life and like yogic practice and have done a lot of work with different types of therapies in um, just like for trauma and things like that, that I've experienced, like I've, I've had this as like a life thing. It's always been with me, this kind of work. I noticed that especially as people are going through this time right now, um, those two really naturally connected with me, not only as a creator, but also as a teacher. And it's been really amazing to watch these kind of two sides of my life that I always considered possibly separate really like come and gel together and be like this one conglomerate like thing. So my studio now is called Sanctuary Studios and mm. I call it a woman led trauma informed music studio that teaches people how to uh, create, produce and tell their own story. So oh, it's so beautiful. Thank it's you. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Now, w w did you end up um, finding out because through clients that trauma played a part in their composing or was it something that you experienced yourself? I think I'm naturally very, uh, I think when you have gone through things, you can kind of tell who's also gone through something similar. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot. You kind of know the tells. But I think also in creating, in songwriting, in composing, you are kind of digging in to tell your story. So they are very close. I work a lot with this book with my students called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Yes. Oh, you yeah. know that book. I love that book. I, I, I do. I read it a long time in college. And actually, another musician, actually also from Chicago that I interviewed, uh, she was also talking about The Artist's What's Way her as name? well. What's her name? Gail Gallagher. Oh, I think I feel like I've heard of her. She does improv, um, okay. improv uh, composition, like for improv, some of the improv uh, places there and musical improv in Chicago oh, okay. area. Very cool. I'll connect yeah. the two of you if you want. Yeah, because yeah, she be also great. teaches and stuff. Yeah, I'll connect the two of you. But um, but she yeah, was also talking. Like, I read it a long time ago. Yeah. It was I was probably twenty. I'm twenty or something or mm -hmm. yeah, something like that. I'm. 44, 40, almost 45. So that tells you how long it's been since I've read it. <laughs> I highly so, recommend digging into it again. It's basically like yeah, a 12 yeah. step program to, for your creativity. So mm. I work a lot with that with students because when you start creating, when you start songwriting, when you start making music very quickly, you're like, well, what am I doing? And you know, when you, it's like facing the blank page, you ask yourself mm -hmm. a lot of questions, which then really quickly gets you to um, reflect and it's not common in our society to have spaces that are simply meant to reflect. <laughs> like mm -hmm. the space is meant to, you're supposed to sit with yourself and look through your memories and consider what it is that you have to say and form your story. And that's the purpose of the space. Like those are very rare spaces. So um, there's a lot of fear that comes up. There's a lot of anxiety that comes up. And for me too, like, I know it in other people because I feel it all the time when I'm making something new and I make a lot of stuff. <laughs> so that has been my way of kind of synthesizing my experiences and mm -hmm. kind of like communicating with a, a deeper part of myself that's maybe slightly more subconscious to try and communicate with different sides of myself or just maybe more hidden sides of myself. So mm -hmm. it's been really interesting to kind of lead people through that process and, um, you know, kind of put a lot of realizing like, okay, there have to be like a lot of tools in place to assist this process. Otherwise, I, I actually think about this a lot with um, movies. Like I have a really hard time watching scary movies and things like that because they make me feel unsafe and my brain like memorizes images and will replay them forever but I always think like a really great movie director even if they're taking you through really dark stuff if they take me safely through that journey to the other side mm. I feel like that's kind of the job of an artist this is a personal opinion obviously an artist can be anything that anyone wants them to be but for me I feel like you have a, a responsibility 
to bring people safely through whatever that journey is you're taking them mm-hmm. on to the other side as their guide. They're trusting you with that. So you, you said something that, yeah, sorry that I, it, it just reminded me, I had a visual ahead. of that. My dad was in theater and he, um, he used to be in a, in a theater in Santa Monica, California. And one of the performances was very, it was, um, it was, this was in the seventies, right? Late, late sixties, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of a, a lot of different types of theater coming out that, mm-hmm. and one of their pieces was, um, cause it was the kind of ex- experiences in which the, the, uh, audience was part of the performance per se. And right. so like a theater was, like, in the round. It, yeah. Well, yeah, well, actually they were, they were, inv- they were actually in the, in it, like with the actors. Oh, so there was one in which they would like have the audience members, like basically like blind, <laughs> blindfolded and like kind of, you know, taken and, and guided through with the different actors and kind of experiencing different parts of the stage. I don't, I'm not, and he, my dad listens to his podcast. And so I'm sure he's going to then call me and tell me exactly what it is it was. <laughs> but right now, what you just said, it just reminded me of that experience that they had to feel they trusted the yeah. actors in order to be able to experience that. And what you're saying is that when you're watching a movie, as long as you're able to trust that if you're safely being guided to explore the fear and or love or tears or whatever it is in that movie that somehow the director will navigate those emotions to let you explore them in a safe way mm-hmm. that you are able to tap into them and have an outcome that is maybe a release or an awakening somehow is that right not I just like leaving you in the dark forest Can by yourself you? which yes. is how I feel when I watch Lars von Trier movies. So that's like my one example when people one. are like, well, who's an example of someone who does that? I'm like, have you seen Dancer in the Dark? They just like punch okay. you in the gut and then leave you there. Oh, <laughs> like, I have not seen it. But so. maybe that's, I haven't seen it. Now, how about with music then? Do you feel then the responsibility then of a song then is the same? So let's let's talk about uh, Hollow. Is it released already publicly? I heard it, but did you already, is it already released? Okay, so we're yeah. recording this October 30th. Uh, okay, so October 30th of 2020 is when it's released. So when this comes out, it would already be released. So make sure to f- search for it on on Hope's website or on Spotify and other, which other ones would it be on? What other platforms? Uh, ev- everywhere. So I go through uh, CD Baby, which distributes okay. everywhere. Amazon Music, Perfect. YouTube. All the Perfect. places, yeah. So let's talk about that song. So, because that one is a journey in itself. So tell us about Hollow. Yeah. So um, I think to answer your question from before a little bit, I think music is has less narrative than theater typically. So it's a little bit more abstract. So it's slightly more difficult to, to uh, I guess, answer that question. But it is a very interesting question. Because I do think that music, for me anyway, it's like holding a space for an experience to happen in. Mm -hmm. It's not so much like A to B, like theater can be with clear narrative. You know, this plot point happened, then this plot point. Where in some songs you can have that, but... That is a three-minute experience, right? So it's like, how could you... (laughs) Right, exactly. It's going to be three to five, five, I don't know, some songs are longer. But yeah, it could be a three to five-minute experience. So therefore, it's most likely one emotion usually felt... Mm -hmm through that and then certain thoughts mm-hmm. or memories that come through that experience of a song. Yeah. I like that you said that that way. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so it's hollow. Yeah. Um, tell us, go ahead. No, no. Tell us, tell us. <laughs> okay. So hollow um, for a while I had some people uh, asking me like, and this was you know a couple of years ago when the me too movement was really big, really hot. And they were like, well, you should do a commentary, like write a song about that for that movement or something. And I was like, I don't really, that's not really my thing. I don't really do reactive music making. Like I kind of hold the space where I'm in and try. But as I was um, kind of chewing on that as almost like a, a prompt that I thought, you know, this is very interesting, but I wonder if I could come at it from my own space where I didn't feel like I was like writing some type of a protest song or something, but really felt like it was an 
uh, a piece where I honored my experience and told it the way I wanted to tell it and not like, I don't know, there was something that I didn't respond to about like the flashiness of, uh, or I don't want to say this kind of like, it's all hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say something like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Open purse where all your stuff just like falls out on the floor. I'm like, that's really not my style. Like, I, I honor that, that can be other. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And um, I think that that happens when there are like big movements where there's kind of almost a pressure of like, well, t- share your experience. You can share your experience. It's like, well, I don't. That's not how I share. So I uh, let me share in my own way. You know, in my own time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, actually the, the beginnings of that song were, how do I say like, uh, an improvisation in the studio. Actually, I tend to write by like booking studio time and then freaking out that I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then like five minutes before someone hits record, I like write down some ideas and then I just kind of like wing it, which you obviously <laughs> Which can honestly, I just, can I just wing this introduction when yeah, I'm trying to introduce you? <laughs> and yeah. we're winging. Well, you're this you're in the, <laughs> you're interviewing the right person for that kind of thing because that's Love also, it. and it's not like you know, there's a lot of training behind being able to do that. Obviously, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. you know, kind of forcing yourself into the into the corner, where you're like, okay, you gotta make something now. Right. Um, and it actually took me about a year on and off to build this piece because I kept coming back to it and adding more layers and kind of reconfiguring. And I worked early on with a director to kind of tell a visual, almost like a visual tone poem story film with it. And then after the film was for the first edit, I realized that it, in order to match the visuals of the film of the story we were trying to tell, because we had had some conversations about, um, how to kind of approach this subject in a way that felt real and healing to us instead of just like what is expected, you know, Mm. or, Oh, you know, kind of like getting away from the cliches and more into like, well, what's my experience and how do I want to be telling the story in a way that feels healing to me or feels some kind of catharsis, which is going to be different for everyone, obviously. Absolutely. But um, but what you're saying is true. Like you had to write it thinking of your own perspective and how you're writing, not necessarily thinking of how are others going to perceive it necessarily mm-hmm. or how are others going to receive it or experience it because, again, music is just so, you, you know, everything is so, so unique. And in this particular, uh, because of this particular theme too, you had to make it be more of your own right yeah totally and I keep thinking of like this uh story keeps coming to mind I can't remember where I heard this story but uh uh Francis Ford Coppola maybe he was the one who told it actually when he was making one of the Godfather movies the producers were telling him you know there's not enough violence in this scene like can you imagine in his movies there's not enough violence but they're like there's not enough violence you have to like do some more shooting and like put some more violence in the scene Cause it's just not working. And he decided, and they were, you know, they were basically saying like more blood, more guts, more guns, more death. And he decided to go a different route. And that's when he put in the domestic violence scene where um, I forgot her name. She's like breaking dishes. She's pregnant and her, her husband comes home and starts a fight and she's breaking dishes and he starts beating her. And that's the scene that he returns to them and kind of the producers just shut up. Like no one can say anything, even though that's not the scene they were asking for. No one can deny that it's like, so his version, I guess was like, you want violence? I'll give you violence, mm-hmm. but it can't, it's, it's like the one that behind closed doors, the one, the violence yeah. that occurs probably most often mm-hmm. yet that people don't see that is yeah genius like how he yeah. approached that then and I, I don't know that story and man I have not seen I have I don't even remember which godfather that would be in because that's so many he's written you know yeah so I'm like I'd have to wow wow but I think so about really that personal. yeah really personal and like you said this idea about like if we're gonna tell our stories then let's let's go there it's not just like the 
kind of the stories that you can like write on a uh, cardboard thing in a, on a stick or like, you know, take it outside or like, you know, yell from the street and something that's like chantable. At least for me as an artist, if someone's like, I really want you to tell your story, I'm like, okay, well, I'm really going to tell you the story. <laughs> but, mm. I mean, I, I, for me, the beautiful thing about poetry and songwriting is that you can use really beautiful metaphors. You don't have to just say maybe like a novelist would say or something. And like you said, with music, you have less time typically in a song. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think... So I have like 10 ideas in my head at the same time. Like which one will come out? Um, but yeah, you know, I had like a, an artist round table yesterday with 10 different artists who were all kind of part of this um, online curated thing. And what came up in that, it just made me think of this right now was people were talking a lot about like, oh, I don't know as a musician or as an artist if I'm connecting and that's really hard for me right now, like figuring out how do I reach that audience? Am I reaching that audience? Like, are we communicating? Are we connecting? And I kept thinking like, well, what's the nature of connection? Because like if I'm, let's say that it's not just art, it's just I want to meet somebody, which is the clearest form of connection, like one person communicating with another person. I never think of it as like, okay, I have this thing to say. I want to say it at this person. Did they hear me? Like that's not my uh, qualifications of a connection. Typically the qualifications of a connection are like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to show up and like this person's going to offer me something. Hopefully I'm going to be able to hear it and have something in response to say. And then there's going to be kind of like this give and take back and forth or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think about that a lot too when I'm approaching like making something new or uh, collaborating with like for example this filmmaker that I worked with on the music video like it's kind of a search for the thing you start with like the subject matter and kind of the thing you're starting to uncover but it's not like you start at least for me I don't really like start with the thesis and then work backwards to prove the thesis <laughs> I kind of mm. start with like the point of excavation that I'm interested in like uncovering and then I just mm-hmm. start to like pull layers back and pull layers back. Pull layers. Yeah, you start with the whole onion. You start with the whole onion and then you yeah. start peeling it until you get to the core. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, what you were saying there in terms of the connecting, then it made me think of how you were saying of the more music as a portal of deeper connection with self when you sent the pitch. And I think that as an artist one of the things is like if you really like kind of I was thinking of that round table that you were saying if you are connecting enough to self and you're really writing from that place of your inner core if you're connecting with you then you will be able to connect with another soul yourself uh I in your a thousand percent believe that yeah it is because it's being true to some essence of who you are that that's what will resonate with somebody else um i i because how else you cannot reach everybody you right you can't there's right, no right, way right. like that you this podcast is not for everybody i've had friends that don't listen to the podcast because you know that have never listened to an episode because it's not what they're wanting to hear right but it's connecting with those that need to hear but i'm being true to me you're being true to you here being interviewed and that's what's going to create connection uh i think that's interesting that you said that because with grief there's this tendency to like i think kind of like freeze frame a moment and then try and support that so it's almost like you hold on to that picture and then you keep making work or keep describing it or keep that picture alive instead of actually continuing to honor how you're progressing with that narrative and like for me as anyway as I revisit my memories with the new information that I gain just from living and having different experiences my memories actually get updated so mm-hmm. like the not that the narrative changes direction but it gains a lot more 
perspective and um, just depth. So I, I don't know. I think it's very tricky with, um, with art making. And this is why I think I always have my students and myself always be working through some kind of like an artist way journal or some kind of um, step program that so that there's always some kind of direct connection to self. So you're not like just supporting some image of yourself in order to be consistent with the narrative that other people know from 10 years ago or whatever, but to continue to update that and like come back to it honestly. Uh, I think there's a real temptation to kind of end up being some weird poster child that you created for something that's like frozen in time, you know? What you're saying, like the word that came to mind was fluid, fluidity. There has Mm. to be. So it's not something that happens, even that memory in our head kind of whatever we experienced. It can't, like you just said, it can change because your perspective changes through time. The experience itself that happened will remain the same. So let's Mm -hmm. talk, if, if we're talking about trauma, since the song Hollow is about trauma, then that experience is there, but then how it's perceived as you keep on growing. And I'm not a therapist, so, uh, you know, I'm just kind of saying it just in, you know, layman's terms Mm -hmm. is that as you perceive it, then in different periods of your time will be different, even though the experience, whatever happened, it's the same, right? But what is fluid is your perception of that. So, um, so when we're so attached to how we perceived it at a certain time, right? And not, are not detached from it, then it's harder to also, um, (laughs) kind of move through that trauma, right? And be able to then, live your life knowing that something happened yet you're able to live out of it. And with grief, a lot of, a lot of grief, you know, there's a lot of grief and trauma, of course, too, you know, and a lot of um, people that have experienced grief has been in a traumatic way. If they've mm-hmm. seen that say their loved one pass away or things like that, if it has to do with death, but there's grief in so many areas of life, right? The yeah. There's something that like gets so many layers yeah. about it. Like, yes, it's, I feel like the danger is that it gets frozen and Mm -hmm. then you can't kind of embody it in order to like take reins of it in some way, Mm -hmm. or kind of even just to fully acknowledge what really happened in order to move through, through like it it freezes Mm -hmm. in this like fight, flight, freeze response. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it, Mm -hmm. it just kind of gets stuck there. And I think that's the thing too, as I'm working with the different songwriters and uh, helping people through telling their story that I come up again against over and over again. And in my own writing as well, where it's like you sit down to finally write through something and then you just start making your shopping list because you like, can't handle it. Like you can't even Mm. approach the, the inner world. It's like too much. So you just start writing a shopping list or your directions to where you should be going next. Or, you know, it's like, Mm-hmm. So it's a protective, it's, it's, it's a protection mm-hmm. mechanism that our mind goes totally. through, right? Cause yeah. it's really hard sometimes to be able to face it, um, face those moments in which we were hurt, um, in some way or another that therefore then when you're trying to address it to even, as you said, even write music about something, you still mm-hmm. end up kind of somewhere else, you know, you're like, wait, yeah, why totally. am I writing the shopping list? Mm-hmm. But, um, but again, it's because it's still stuck. It, again, it's still stuck somehow. It's, it's still stuck in that particular memory of whatever it was mm-hmm. and how it was that happened and not being able to be viewed differently with a different perspective in order to kind of shift um shift and move through it and again it's not moving on from experiences happen to everybody and they are part of who we become and they're they're necessary i mean let me just put it any experience in life is necessary for us to grow i'm not saying wishing any ill on any of us. Uh, but we grow through tests. That Mm -hmm. is my perspective, but I don't see how else we would grow if everything was just 
perfect, right? In our life, um, tests are how we are able to perceive life differently and grow resilient. And then all of a sudden experience all these emotions that even as an artist, you kind of want to have lived a little bit, I'm sure, in order to have something to write about too, right? Yeah, that's, man, you opened up so many beautiful, like, things in that, in that, um, you know, it's interesting, like, I definitely agree that there's, if, if you came here to expand, which I think is what we all chose to came here to do in some way, shape, or form, then that's, that's the road to expansion, you know, it's not, it's not sunshine and roses to expansion, but there are um, these bizarre cycles that we get into. And I think especially if you're frozen in some kind of a trauma response or like stuck in, in grief without finding some way to allow it to pass through, which is like so challenging. Um, but it's easy to kind of end up on this wheel where you keep reliving the same thing over and over again. So it's not actually moving through to a new lesson it's just like on this and I feel like in my instance anyway it feels like it's epigenetic it's not even just my karmic wheel it's like my whole generation my my mom and my grandmother and my great-grandmother it's like I can look at the lineage and see like wow we're all living out that same narrative like that same trip like how do we get off of this wheel of this kind of like reliving the same grief somehow it keeps getting triggered and keeps getting triggered and keeps getting Mm -hmm. triggered so I feel like a big part of my work in music and in um just like spiritual and psychological realms that I've been working in is figuring out how how do I approach this to where I can really embody it not be afraid of it but also see it and experience it for what it is so that I can truly move on and not just move on to kind of like same shit, different DJ is what I like to say. <laughs> not just like, you know, one more experience that's like basically the same, but like enough details are different to where I could convince myself that I'm actually learning a different <laughs> lesson. It's like, that's the same fucking lesson. <laughs> I'm laughing with that expression. That was hilarious. That was like, <laughs> just a different DJ. The same uh, gotta make I gotta make t-shirts for the merch table I oh my gosh you should totally totally do you have merchandise <laughs> on your website if you don't I do I do yeah, okay. I'm gonna add That's that though the, this is great. oh my gosh you have to write that you have to <laughs> But I feel like that's a big, (laughs) I feel like that's a big thing though. And that I, to me, it kind of feels like a puzzle still because it's this, um, in my own lineage, I've noticed like an, uh, almost a refusal to lean into the emotion of a deep grief and kind of hiding out in the intellect. So like Mm -hmm. I come from a really long line of, healers but they're very intellectual healers so like medical doctors and like um internal medicine and things like that beautiful healing people obviously but there's a disconnect i've noticed that you know we can only kind of do our own healing through our own lineage you know but there's a disconnect and kind of like a hiding away in the intellect that starts to happen where because there isn't the somehow it's like tools I feel like there are certain tools that are missing from um especially I guess this is my perspective so it's where I come from but like western ideologies we're missing a lot of tools to be able to sit in experiences and face emotional traumas and not run away or hide. Not that that's easy for anyone, just that I feel like the tools that we've been able to amass, which are beautiful are like, okay, you lose your eyesight. We can laser eye your back to vision or, you know, incredible feats of technology, but that doesn't solve this other side of health and healing, which has to do with like, can you stop recreating traumas for yourself over and over again? Can you truly move through experiences you've had so that like shards of them aren't just like stuck in your psyche for the rest of your life and 
you can't fully live your life because you haven't truly gotten inside, experienced it, and been able to move on. It just kind of like got frozen there or stuck. I feel like there's all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I, I see my job as a musician a lot more in the realms of healing than I think entertainment. <laughs> and it's interesting mm-hmm. that I come from a family of healers because I, I think it, I, that's how I see it in my lineage. It's like I, my job is to move it to be closing these hemispheres of like left and right brain and like intellect and emotion and heart and mind and figure out like, okay, this ultimately is one system. So you can't heal half of the system and have a healed system. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a whole, right. It's like right now with holistic, for example, medicine and stuff mm-hmm. that approaches the spiritual part, the emotional part, the mind, you know, it, it's mind, mind, body, soul, spirit. There's just so many components that when we're just going on one end, you know, and trying to fix here, I, I read this in, um, in a book called secrets of a millionaire mind that, uh, the author was mentioning, like, we try to, um, and this had to do with something else, but this had to do with like money mindset and stuff like something different, but the idea is still the same. Like we, we are trying to change the, what's coming out in the printer, right. Mm -hmm. By just, but we keep on click, we keep on clicking, just print, print. Oh, wait, but it's still coming out the same, Mm -hmm. but we haven't the programming we have to change the whole programming of the computer in order for that so that what comes out on the printer is different That's so beautiful. it's just, yeah. right so it's kind of like that that yeah that example and he talks about the quadrants of course of, of like you know the mind body spirit again all of that has to be in balance in order again for that piece of paper to come out <laughs> I, and I'm totally butchering probably what I read but just that's the idea so what you're what you're able to do then with music and also again you said you're also a yogi as well so there's the physical part and meditation part right so that's that that is mixing that physical aspect of healing that goes into the meditation that then you know the music going into the soul and the emotions as well those are a whole bunch of different quadrants right there that you're addressing with what you do in terms of the healing um and that yeah, is, i see them all beautiful. as as one i think i do a mm-hmm. lot of kundalini yoga meditation and mm-hmm. in kundalini they say that the that sound right. sound current is the center of mm-hmm. creation so before mm-hmm. any, anything there was sound because there was vibration vibration is sound so oh, I really, at, at the end of a lot of Kundalini classes, they'll do a gong bath. So they mm. play gong for something like five minutes or so. And you're, you're like laying in Savasana and it uh, kind of penetrates all 10 bodies. And it's kind of like a, an energy healing, just the vibration of the gong going through all of your 10 bodies. It's like a kind of like a bath for your nervous system. Mm. And, uh, I think about that and, you know, when you've had really great musical experiences, like if you've gone to a show that just like you left and your whole body was vibrating with white light or you, you, everyone's had some experiences like that where you're like, wow, that Mm -hmm. is the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think as a performer, that's always what I'm looking for. And as a composer, that's always what I'm trying to hold space for is like what that thing is. No, that is that is uh, beautiful. I've I have never done uh, Kundalini. Um, I have a friend that does, and but I've never I've never done it. The um, I want to ask you about the songwriting part mm-hmm. and about that becoming then the a tool for processing grief. I talk a lot about when I'm talking to the different people I interview, and the majority of the people I've interviewed regarding grief has been uh, around the topic of death and. Mm-hmm you know, what different tools they use and, and so forth in their grieving process. And for some it's journaling, you know, for some maybe, you know, writing, uh, sorry, friends or whatever, some prayer, there's, there's just different, or some it's every single, every single, every single element or Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts, reading, you know, there's so many different ways. Um, so how, do you believe and in what way can you approach then songwriting? I mean, I, I used to like write like poems and stuff when my sister passed away. That was one mm-hmm. of the 
ways that I uh, process my my grief. Um, what ways do you think as a songwriter are, um, let's say, gateways, again, to be able to start that process of allowing it to flow? I love this question. Flow? Yeah, this is like my favorite question. So I work with a lot of different like games, basically. I start my process with a bunch of games to first of all, lower the bar. So it's not like I have to write this masterpiece, you know what I mean? Because that is so terrifying. But I start with like, I have a a couple different things that I really like to do. One is um, I'll start with three columns. I'll have, I'll just kind of, I call it phrase harvesting or like word gathering where I just kind of look through books and just start highlighting words that I like that are, that I'm drawn to. And then I'll just have three columns, adjective, noun, and verb. And I'll start filling in these columns. So maybe I'll have 20 words in each column, just that I've gathered so that I don't have to come up with them. If I don't want to, I can just kind of like pick them from places because it's, it's just an easy process. And then I'll look at the three columns and I'll start to connect one from each column. So then maybe I'll have like a collection of three different words that can create a phrase that I'm drawn to. And even though that's just a three word, it's not quite a full phrase. I'll start to, so let's say out of the 20 verbs, nouns, and adjectives, I'll create randomly 20 different collection of three words from you know, one from each of those columns. And I'll look at those different phrases and see if anything all of a sudden calls out to me and it starts to expand on an idea. And usually there's at least one from that many that I'm like, oh, that's an interesting place that I would like to go. And I'll start free writing a little bit on just that tiny little phrase. Like maybe I can rearrange these three words and add some uh, prefixes in and add some little extra words in to create what kind of sentence could I create out of this and then that'll be kind of the starting point that I'll start to expand from and um, if I decide to do more than just one one little sentence of three words um, I'll choose maybe four let's say to experiment with and maybe of those four three little word packages, uh, a verse will come out, which is maybe four, four lines. And then I'll cut them up into different little slices of paper and move the paper around. So it's very like uh, tactile. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very much like a game. So nothing has to be taken seriously. It's just me noticing what words I'm drawn to moving them around in different configurations, doing a little bit of free writing cutting actually the physical pieces of paper up and then moving them around just to see what they look like in different orders. Cause at least for me, part of the thing about trying to express yourself is like, if you're going for me, if I'm going to music, it's because I don't know how to say it. Otherwise I would just call a friend and say it. It's so much easier. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that brings me to music and to songwriting is like, I don't know what I feel. I know that I feel it, but I can't put my finger on what that thing is and words aren't quite working or like how I normally express myself is not really, that's not quite the thing. So it doesn't feel like it's been completely honored. So it's kind of this, it's almost like an excavation game of like, Mm -hmm. well, let me put some tools in front of me and let me move some words around. Let me kind of like put some puzzle pieces together and see if I can just allow my subconscious to start to make connections between things for me where it can kind of lead me to like, Oh, maybe put this word with this word and and then maybe put these things at the end and this thing at the beginning and then kind of take a step back and your subconscious will start to make connections for you. And I think there's this really beautiful quote says poetry often enters through the window of irrelevance. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is something about simple songwriting games like this that like you allow it to be uh, nonsensical. Birthed. And it's birthed. It comes, it's birthed. And then do you, what, do you get a specific feeling, physical or emotional, something, a reaction that when you see a certain combination 
Mm-hmm. I get That's excited. Some, yeah, it's like okay. The what's on. your feeling? Yeah, what the what? Because chills are my 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 language, here, my mm-hmm. soul language. A lot of times, tears, of course. Tears. You know, oh yeah, that's butter. a big one. That's yeah. when I know I've hit it. Yeah. <laughs> if I yeah. start crying when I'm writing, I'm like, okay, I touched cool. the surface here. <laughs> that is awesome. So, but but it all starts with games. But you're, it's so true of how you. It's kind of again going with the artist way. Isn't the artist way? Isn't the one of the exercises? Is like you're drawing something kind of backwards in one of is there is is that something in the artist's way that you that you're drawing but upside down so that your mind is not the one thinking? Am I mistaken? Am I that sounds that like it would be in there? I don't remember that one off the top of my okay. head, but that totally sounds up as up one the of the ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that that way you're not into you're not thinking. You're taking away the brain component of it. You're just kind of like seeing. So with doing this exercise, um, you just kind of, again, there's fluidity again there because you're moving the pieces around and so forth until all of a sudden it just kind of falls into place. And then you know. Playfulness because it's already hard enough (laughs) trying Mm to uh, excavate like these, I keep coming back to this word frozen because I feel like that's what you're trying to penetrate. You're kind of trying to like defaw something mm. that is like hardened because it had to become hardened because something happened where like to protect, to protect you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to create a, an environment where it's like safe for yourself to kind of like lead yourself in there and kind of like coax out whatever feels comfortable to come out. It's so funny, but it really does feel like, um, there's an inner self or like some part of your psyche, like you said, to protect yourself that has Mm -hmm. like gone shut, (laughs) gone like lockjaw or something. And you're trying to create a safe environment with enough playfulness, but also enough meaning, you know, it's not just like shits and giggles. It's also like music therapy. So you're trying to create a safe environment where you can, there's still the opportunity to, uh, draw out something that's like a golden nugget of like, oh, that is how I'm feeling right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it really is like a conversation where, at least for me, when I sit down, I don't totally, I know that there's something happening and that there's something deeper, but like my conscious brain doesn't know what it is, but it would like to know because it's tired of ending up in the same uh, flashbacks all the time. So it's like, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you don't want to live groundhog day all every yeah. day of your life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Relive yeah. groundhog day every day. Now, would you, since when we air this, this, your song will already be out. Would you mm-hmm. be open to sharing maybe your favorite phrase or part of the, your song or oh, one yeah. of your song? Yeah, no, I was thinking like when you were, I can't remember what we were talking about earlier, but um, something about starting to look back on an experience and how how we look back is very different, like updating old the memory perception. files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the perception changes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this song starts with uh, kind of like a negative list of traits about myself, which is very common, I feel like, for people who are experiencing grief. It's not just like, oh, I miss this person. Oh, this thing that happened was so sad. Usually it's like, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. It's like a laundry list of things that we're upset about ourselves, things we should have done better, things we're bad at. You know, it's like kind of incessant. At least for me, that's how I experience that. So the song starts with, um, I I talk back, I'm testy, I'm greedy and messy. Like just this laundry list of all of these things and to me, that's the, it's the honest way in. Like if I'm taking the real route toward uh, a, a memory of something that happened that should not have happened, that was completely unfair, that was, you know, the the honest way through for me is all of the ways that made me see myself differently. Mm-hmm. Like that experience made me see ugly things about myself which is true I I wish it weren't true it's like the kind of candy shop version is like uh a clear a clear victim and then a clear perpetrator and then one is always innocent and one is always guilty and there's no um kind of bleed over 
but I think the reality is when you experience some something done to you that was very violent, you kind of pick up. It's almost like you're carrying some of that violence. And even if it's not yours, for whatever reason, it's still like in your hands. You're still holding it because that transaction happened. And it's really hard to shake it off of you and acknowledge like, I'm not that thing, but that thing came in contact with me and like did this weird blood transfusion thing. And so now I'm holding on to all this stuff that isn't even mine. So I feel like for me, the honest way into this song was like all of this like debris that's left over from that experience that I, I almost have taken on as like mine. I just want to acknowledge it. I just want to list through the things that I'm holding right now mm-hmm. uh, as a, because like if I don't kind of name it, then I can't let it go. Mm-hmm. That is, that is that is so, so, so important what you just said. If you can't name it, you can't let it go. You do have to be able to go back to that place or at least that experience or whatever in your head in order to release it. It's uh, taking ownership. It's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, in life, not regarding necessarily in grief, but in anything because the ownership of of our, in our life and certain things that we do in order to be able to grow from that. Um, and in this case, I'm not saying again, that somebody that's been through trauma is necessarily going to own up that, <laughs> and you know, that they, that they, um, they were guilty of it or, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying, but you do have to own up that it, 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 it was lived that you lived that. And mm-hmm. that is very hard to do. But as you said, in order to be able to move through it, you do have to kind of face it. Um, take the monster mm-hmm. by the, what, or the, what is it? The bull by the horns, basically um, in that moment. Um, yeah. And that I think is the reality that like our shadow self still lives with us. Like I think in yeah. this culture, we have a very thing, we have this thing about like love and light, like clean it all out, like shake it out, just like sever it, like ghost them, cut it out remove yourself there's all these things but it's like okay but the reality of being human is that you walk with your shadow self so like there are real dark things that walk with you for a long time and the the goal of balance and humanity is not to just shun everything that's dark like <laughs> i think the goal yin, is yin and yin yeah exactly yin and yin yeah this is walking with me i'm going to acknowledge that this is walking with me i'm not going to try and like sever it because that ends up with really complicated like denial like all kinds of addictions coming out of that of people just kind of unable to figure out how to have space of something that is their darker shadow psyche side of collected events that Mm -hmm. is it's there and like to figure out it's like okay well we're going to be walking together for a while so we're just going to have to find like a pace that works for both of us Right. You know, and when you're saying that right now, when you were saying about facing it, it, um, since you do meditation too, um, isn't in meditation something that you are supposed to, oh, is it, can you hear the garbage truck going through? No. <laughs> can you hear it? Cause the microphone picking it up. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I hear like, like, um, I, maybe I should not record on Mondays now that I'm like, should I stop recording? <laughs> um, <laughs> As I'm saying this about meditation. So the, um, when meditation doesn't, isn't it about like when thoughts come, you're not, your job is not to push them away. Your job is to acknowledge that they're there, Mm -hmm. see them and then let them go by. So in that same way with our shadow self, as you call it, I heard that expression and I, I know a lot of different authors and stuff to use that, but your, the parts of you that you don't necessarily liked as much but that are part mm-hmm. of you you have to be able to see them in order to walk along and be able to also embrace all the other beauty that has come because of those sides of you also being there <laughs> right like sit with them because I think that a common like misconception about meditation is like oh it'll come and it'll go it's like in my meditations, when something dark comes, it just fucking it sticks. Stays. It's just like there. It's not like it's just coming through and now it's leaving. It's like it's like the I'm debris again, down. like you were mentioning. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned that debris in your of your in your song hollow. It's so in those moments of meditation, sometimes those thoughts stick there like, oh my like God. a piece of 
toilet paper stuck on your shoe that you cannot take off and I you're shaking. Did. I did like an eight day silent meditation retreat. Oh uh, Lord. I would not, I would not survive. I'm and like- it was basically like, I did go through like some ups and downs, but I mean, that's like eight hours of meditation a day for eight days. And I, it was kind of, I was stuck with basically the same thing for that entire oh, yeah, time. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, there was obviously some modulation within it, but it's not like I, like I sat silent with myself and then it came and then it went. It like, that was not the experience. <laughs> now, what happened after those eight days? Were you able to move through that like at all? Like, That's like, a, or not really like, did you grow like, from that experience? Oh, definitely. Having sh- Okay. Okay. I recommend silent meditation retreat. I mean, maybe I'm a special kind of personality that enjoys that. Maybe there are people who wouldn't, but like, I was afraid going in. I was like, how is that even possible? But it was a beautiful experience. It was much easier than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be like treacherous, but it really wasn't. And I didn't miss all of my tech dings and all that. And I didn't Mm -hmm. feel lonely. Like I thought I was going to feel lonely, but not at all. And, um, I, I think I'm still handling like whatever it is that we've come here with that is kind of our thing. Like when I look at my own life, it's like, it's, there's a lot of patterns, like a lot of repeated types of things that keep coming up. So it's kind of the same lesson over and over again, you know? So in that way, I can't say that like, oh, within eight days, I solved that thing. Like, I think it's whatever is my karma that I'm here with that I'm working through. I'm continuing to find new ways to healthfully handle it. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think it's kind of like a wheatgrass shot or something. I mean, it's like a really heavy dose of clarity for those moments. But obviously, you have to keep it up and keep Working through working. it. Working, yeah, working, yeah. It isn't just like this magic, yeah, it's not like a magic right. pill that you take and then whee, it went away. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also different, you you said this um, as well, just again, with the aspect of your song, again, how sometimes it just keeps on coming up. There's certain times in which we feel maybe we've already outgrown or moved through something and then all of a sudden, years later, something else can trigger um Mm-hmm. some of these emotions or again traumas back again in, in our lives and that we have to face them again but again the trick there would be are we facing them with a different perspective or again with the lens that we experienced back you know again before and that is where the key would be as to knowing have we grown have we grown through that experience and living that and when we're seeing that, are we seeing it differently now? And that I think is what is the, um, when I call this podcast grief, gratitude, and the gray in between, the gratitude component just comes from being um, grateful that you have had an opportunity to grow and um (laughs) to grow through something that's been so hard in your life of any experience that you've gone through. That's where the gratitude can come from is the fact that you have grown. And yeah, like really, yeah, I think, and really that there's a lot of things that would not happen had you not experienced certain things in your life. And again, it does not mean that you're happy that you lived them. That's not the, Mm -hmm. at all. Like you, it's like, if I say that I'm grateful that I can find gratitude in the fact that my sister passed away when she was 18 and I was 21. That doesn't mean that I'm saying I'm happy that she passed away. Mm -hmm. It means that there have been so many different things that have happened in our lives and our families' lives and people around us that would have not happened had that not, Mm -hmm. had she not passed away again. Would we have wished it any differently? Of course, but that is not what, (laughs) that is not the cards we were dealt. So by seeing things with gratitude, you're able again to grow with it as well. Um, So that's my, I, I, uh, so with your, with your, um, 
with your songwriting, do you go back? How long have you been songwriting, by the way, composing? Uh, how many years? You're young. You're young, but. 16 and I'm 33. 33 minus okay. 16. <laughs> okay. So it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. So what, and I, yeah, I did, I probably got to see if at most in math. So don't ask me to do that math in my head right now. <laughs> and I don't have 33 fingers and toes to count that and then subtract. <laughs> but, um, what in those years have you gone back to looking even at some of your songs that you wrote, you know, since you were, say, let's say, 16, now with a 33-year-old, you know, as a 33-year-old, and do you see the different person you are now? I feel like that person was more wise. <laughs> really? You? Yeah, isn't that interesting? I, I, you know what it is? That person was less tainted with life's probably... Um, I don't know the things in in life. A lot of times we let we allow we maybe start intellectualizing too much. That mm -hmm. maybe that's and and start lo stop losing uh, uh, sight of our trueness, which is our soul, because we're so intellect. You know what I mean? Thinking yeah. things too much. And it's interesting because I remember is. when I was young, a lot of people were like. I would play my songs out at different bars and stuff and like open mics. And a lot of older songwriters would say like, why are you writing about this stuff? You have no life experience. Like you need to go live life and then write about these subjects and then you'll have something more to say, which is so tragic because like, I feel like all the stuff that I wrote then was like so much more on the nose or like kind of had this like, like moral wisdom in it that mm. I don't, have much access to anymore because there's definitely like this taintedness of like watching people continuously do horrible things that you're like wow mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know that I it's hearted you're disheart it's like a For disheartening sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah which I hope to come back to it in a new way you know I kind of see like what you're saying about you you keep coming back to this same thing I see it as like a spiral so mm -hmm. even though you have your own thing that is your thing that you deal with Hopefully it's like you're spiraling out where each time you spiral around to come visit it, it's at like a deeper groove or like an outer layer that has a little bit more perspective or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just it's, I mean, we, again, we can grow or not grow mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> or maybe what we think is growth, what maybe what we perceive as growth is different. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. again, has, again, back to perception like we may see it like right now you're you're looking at your 16 year old writing and maybe there's a longing to those times in which mm -hmm. life was just different and freer and like you said less tainted with like mm -hmm. the hardness of the world maybe mm -hmm. there's that longing that comes from that so that you're still attached a little bit to that because it's still you <laughs> you know what I mean it's still you but, you know um and a lot of times people we kind of tend to I know for me like I I cherish so much my high school days and like oh my gosh high school and with my friends like oh my gosh we had the best time it was the best times ever and like we're constantly like living in this moment that's like kind of like trapped in time mm -hmm. you know but we're like wait a minute we've lived so much since you know we've had children and this but somehow those experiences kind of we are like putting them on a pedestal or something I don't know um mm -hmm. but there's been way more probably things that have been more meaningful since but mm -hmm. but anyhow I don't know if that makes sense what I what I was trying to yeah no totally I yeah uh, that makes sense <laughs> yeah now I am so grateful that we were able to have this conversation is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before you also share your um all the places they can find you. Um, if these are subjects that they're interested in, I do have other albums that like are on this same subject. My most recent album is wild beast and I explore the inner beast on all of, on all of the tracks on this album. And that's available everywhere. Mm -hmm. iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, etc. And um, if anyone on your podcast is interesting in exploring the healing of songwriting and music production and telling their story, I do run courses you can visit my website or contact me through the information i give you to put the links in 
and um, yeah, and I would welcome anyone who's interested in going on that journey to join these courses. They're really, really powerful. How long are they? How long are your courses? About 10 to 12 weeks, depending on which one, but I try to keep it like a school semester. That's awesome. That is awesome. And then usually in that time, uh, on average, your um, your participants write about how many maybe songs. Usually in that they time complete period. one, and they mm-hmm. have about three that they're working on by the time they're done. But by the end, there's one fully completed. Do, do you? Is it? I I actually I'm thinking back again to Hollow. How you said it took like a year for you to get to it. Do you feel that in in that process of writing is it really hard to be completely detached I'm like okay I'm done like I'm done but I'll put the brush down kind of oh, like yeah. a, no, know, like, really hard. <laughs> I mean I was working on a bunch of other things too so it wasn't like that was the only project on oh, yeah. so that's kind of part of what was the a lot of the back and forth oh. but um it is true that all all songs have their own I don't know like Tideline. Oh, yeah, Tideline. Oh, art, yeah I feel like every artist has had this experience where there are certain pieces that you're like yeah no that's just not going to be done for a while that's just the reality of that piece <laughs> yeah you know that Bob have you ever watched uh is it Bob Ross the um is that, oh the uh, painter the, the painter so I recently believe it or not I know it's an old show but my daughter is like mom watch this it's so satisfying she's like <laughs> it's like it puts us to sleep like literally because his voice is so calming mm-hmm. but sometimes we're watching him paint we're like oh that looks so good and then all of a sudden he starts keeps on putting more stuff and more stuff and we're like when is he gonna be and then we like we think (laughs) that it's done yet he keeps on putting more things and more things and more things and I'm like oh okay we see where he's going but I think that way could be you know I don't know that's why I was saying like do you feel like you're finally done and you can push the brush down that's why I was thinking of that example when I was comparing it to music writing because I love that. That's like, gonna make me go watch some Bob Ross after that. Yeah, go watch it because you think I'm like, oh, that looks so pretty, that beautiful. So and he starts putting black paint on it. You're like, what is that gonna turn into? It was beautiful before, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like this beautiful tree out of this. So I love that. so I. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I'm sure that the creative process as a songwriter is, is that way too, a lot of times. And Uh sometimes it could come in one few strokes and you're done. And other times it needs a few more layers, depending again on the subject and, and maybe also how attached you are to that particular piece too, may take a different time. But uh, thank you so much again, Hope, for just exploring all these topics with me and let's sitting here on this improv conversation and seeing where it would take us and I'm just so grateful that that you went on this ride here on this podcast and I'll put all your information um, below for people to check it out I love it thank you so much thank you thank you again so much for choosing to listen today I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.